Guys ready for church? Seems like we've already been having church, so let's just continue with church and uh, call it good. We're in Daniel chapter 10 today, so turn your, in your Bible to Daniel chapter 10. This chapter in my Bible is titled Daniel's Terrifying Vision of a Man. So we're going to unpack that a little bit today. I've actually titled today's message Proper Fear Equals Proper Faith. Proper Fear Equals Proper Faith. What is the fear? We're talking about the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is just proper adoration as we think about the Lord Jesus Christ and what he saved us from and what he has saved us for. Listen, if we don't have a proper understanding of what God has saved us from and what he saved us for, we'll never have a proper fear of the Lord. So a fear of the Lord, it looks like this. Man, Lord, I just want to honor you in this decision. God, I want to honor you in my life, in my marriage, with my kids, with my grandkids, with my great-grandkids. I don't have any great-grandkids, but you know, you get the point. They're coming. They're coming. I just, yeah, they're, yeah, good, good, good. So it's just an attitude that says, man, Lord, I just want to bless you as I live out this life. I want to please you as I live out this life. I want to point people to you as I live out this life. It's just a, a humble acknowledgement of the lordship, the leadership, the goodness, the grace, and the power of God. So it's just a hum humble acknowledgement of God, you are, you are king, you're on the throne of my life. I love you, I trust you, I believe you, and I'm gonna live my life that way. So when we talk about the fear of the Lord, this is what we're talking about. It's a, it's a humble um, deference to the plans and the purposes of God in our lives and in every arena of our lives. And so Daniel modeled that for us throughout this study in, in Daniel. We've watched Daniel model this life before our very eyes up against impossible circumstances in a godless culture. Daniel stood firm because Daniel had a proper fear of the Lord. He had a proper understanding of the power and the majesty and the grace and the grandeur of God. He understood God and he wanted to make sure that he had a proper fear of the Lord. And that was made obvious in the way that he lived his life. And so we're going to read all of Daniel chapter 10 for context. And so I think it's going to be up on the screen, but I would encourage you just to follow along as I read and just open up your hearts and your minds to the work of the Spirit and the Word in your life. And so with that, I'd like to pray and just kind of pave the way through prayer in the Spirit. So Lord, we just invite you. Man, we need you, Lord. We're so humbled by your presence here that you would choose to gather. Your word says we're two or three or two or more gathered in your name. There you are in the midst of them. And so, Lord, we have gathered in your name for your glorious purposes. We are here for you and only you. And so as we've gathered in your name and as we open up your holy word, God, I pray that you would make a deposit in our lives that would change us from this day forward, Lord, that we would think differently about you where we need to think differently about you, that we would think and understand you at a deeper level, that we'd have greater 
uh, capacity to understand you and greater, uh, greater understanding of who you are and the way you've operated in this world and the way that you want to operate in our lives. And so, God, we yield to you with the humble fear of the Lord because we want to have a proper faith as we follow you, as we try to give our lives to you, as we do our best by your grace and in your strength to be men and women of faith. So, Lord, bless us. We need it, Lord. Help us. We need it, Lord God. I pray that you would renew our minds and our hearts today as we open up the word. Bless us as we do so. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Daniel 10, in the year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a word was revealed to Daniel, who was named Belteshazzar, and the word was true. And it was a great conflict And he understood the word and had understanding of the vision. In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning for three weeks. I ate no delicacies, no meat or wine entered my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all for a full, for the full three weeks. On the 24th day of the first month, as I was standing on the bank of the great river, that is the Tigris, I lifted up my eyes and looked, and behold, a man clothed in linen with a belt of gold, fine gold from Euphaz around his waist. His body was like beryl, his face like the appearance of lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze, and the sound of his words like the sound of a multitude. And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision. For the men who were with me did not see the vision, but a great trembling fell upon them, and they fled to hide themselves. So I was left alone. (laughs) I was left alone and saw this great vision, and no strength was left in me. My radiant appearance was fearfully changed and I retained no strength. Then I heard the sound of his words. And as I heard the sound of his words, I fell on my face in deep sleep with my face to the ground. Verse 10, and behold, a hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. And he said to me, oh, Daniel, man, greatly Loved, understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright for now I have been sent to you. And when he had spoken this word to me, I stood up trembling. Then he said, (laughs) then he said to me, fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and humbled yourself before your God, your words have been heard and I I have come because of your words." The prince or the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me for 21 days. But Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I was left there with the kings of Persia and came to make you understand what is to happen to your people in the latter days. For the vision is for the days yet to come, for days yet to come. When he had spoken to me according to these words, I turned my face toward the ground and was mute. And behold, one in the likeness of the children of man touched my lips. Then I opened my mouth and spoke. 
I said to him who stood before me, oh, my Lord, by reason of the vision, pains have come upon me and I retain no strength. How can my Lord's servant talk with my Lord? For now, no strength remains in me and no breath is left in me. Again, having one, uh, one having the appearance of a man touched me and strengthened me. And he said, O oh man, greatly loved, fear not, peace be with you. Be strong and of good courage. And as he spoke to me, I was strengthened and said, let my Lord speak, for you have strengthened me. Then he said, do you know why I have come to you? But now I will return to fight against the prince of Persia. And when I go out, behold, the prince of Greece will come. But I will tell you what is inscribed in the book of truth. There is none who contends by my side against the, uh, against these except Michael, your prince. Powerful passage. Daniel chapter 10. Daniel's chapter 10, 11, and 12 all have to do with the same vision. And this vision is for days yet to come in the future. Daniel 10 is the prologue. Daniel 11 is the vision. Daniel 12 is the promise and the epilogue, kind of the conclusion of it all. This vision came two to three years following the vision of chapter nine regarding the 77s of years that Curtis, Pastor Curtis talked about last week. Daniel 10.1 tells us things about the vision right away. So out of the gate, Daniel 10.1 tells us some things about this vision. He said, number one, the word was true. God affirms that what he is speaking is true and will come to pass. The word was about a great conflict. And so God is speaking this word that is true and it's about a great conflict. And number three, Daniel understood the word and he understood the vision. This is different from the other visions that he received because the other visions were a mystery to him and he did not understand what they were about. This is a different, this is different. He understood, it says Daniel understood the word and he understood the vision. The Expositor's Bible Commentary Revised Edition says, the third year of Cyrus identifies this vision as the latest recorded in the book of Daniel. Since the reign of Darius lasted until 538 or 537, Cyrus's third year at Babylon would have been 535 to 534, probably just a few years before Daniel's death. If he was born around 620 BC, Daniel would have been 90 by the year 530 BC. The vision's message related to a great war, foretelling troublesome times for the people of God. So Daniel was so moved, so disturbed by this revelation that he mourned and fasted for three weeks, giving himself to intense supplication and prayer. Daniel felt deeply what God was speaking to him. And it concerned him because it concerned his people, the people of Israel. Daniel mourned deeply the spiritual condition of his people, Israel. Maybe like we sometimes mourn the spiritual condition of people that we love, 
people who are far from the Lord or who people who don't know the Lord at all. We, we feel deeply for their condition and we pray deeply that God would minister to them and reveal himself to them and bring deliverance and sanctification and new life to them. So we feel on a level what Daniel felt for the nation of Israel and he mourned for those people. Why? Because Daniel, he understood God and he had a proper fear of the Lord. Proper fear equals proper faith. So what does proper fear look like? Well, we must, number one, we must mourn over our sin. We see that modeled in Daniel. We see that modeled in the Old and the New Testament. Proper fear means we must mourn over our sin. Daniel 10.2 says, In those days I, Daniel, was mourning for three weeks. Most of Daniel 9 records Daniel's prayer of mourning for himself and his nation Israel. What does mourning look like? Well, for Daniel, he took time out to fast and pray. He pulled himself away from the comforts of this life so that he might focus on the living God. Sometimes the comforts and uh, things of this life serve as a distraction to us and they hinder us from pressing in and really hearing from the Lord. And so Daniel said, you know what? I'm giving it up. It's more important to me that I hear from the Lord than that I feel my, fill my gut with good food. Daniel 9, 3 said, then I turned my face to the Lord God, seeking him by prayer and pleas for mercy with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. So in Daniel 9, Daniel 10, this seems to be a theme for Daniel that he set himself apart when the time was right to fast and to mourn. Two to three years separate Daniel chapters 9 and Daniel chapter 10. Daniel fasted and prayed in Daniel chapter 9, and he fasted and prayed in Daniel chapter 10. So this was something that Daniel did. He understood the power of fasting and prayer. He understood that setting himself aside for the work and for the purposes of God would accomplish great and wonderful and marvelous things in the kingdom. He understood the power of God because he understood that God is powerful. He had a proper fear of the Lord. There must be a genuine mourning as needed in our lives over sin. Now, God's grace is sufficient, but we must have a change of heart regarding sin. If we only confess our sin, but not truly repent of our sin, then we will continue to fall into this sin trap all the days of our life. Repentance means, man, I have changed my mind. Like I used to do this. I used to desire this. I'm changing my mind about this. I know that it's destruction to me. It's destructiveness to me to pursue this lifestyle of sin. So without a proper fear of the Lord, there's not a proper change of heart. And real deliverance and, and freedom in Christ only comes as we allow God to sanctify us by changing our heart, by changing our mind about the way that we're living our lives. Without proper fear, there is not genuine faith in God. Proverbs 9.10 says, "'The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom.'" and knowledge of the Holy One is under 
understanding. So we must have a fear of the Lord and an understanding of the God that we serve. Basically, this verse teaches us that the fear of God is the foundation to true wisdom. This verse also makes it clear that without proper fear of the Lord, we lack a genuine faith in him. How do we come to faith? We come to faith in Jesus because we're aware of our sin problem. If we come to faith in Jesus, air quotes, faith in Jesus, for any other reason, we've come to him the wrong way. We can only accurately come to Jesus by faith as we recognize that we have a sin problem. When we recognize that we have a sin problem and we realize that God is the only one who can help us with our sin problem, then we go to him, we come to him with gratitude, with reverence and humility, asking for his forgiveness. But beyond asking for his forgiveness, we're asking for his lordship and his leadership in our lives. We're saying, God, I don't want what I've always had in this life. I want new life in you. And so there's gratitude. There's this, this awe of God that says, why, Lord, would you give yourself so that I might have life? Why would you forgive me? Why would you, why would you love me unconditionally? Why do you continue to pursue me and come after me as, you were, as we were singing in the song? We have this holy awe, this reverence before a God who is so good and so kind and so faithful in spite of all of our shortcomings and failures, God continues to come after us and to love us and to be faithful to us. And so it's with great gratitude and reverence and humility, we ask his forgiveness. Daniel understood this. He had a proper fear of the Lord. And we'll see, and we know from previous chapters that Daniel is thrashed by this vision. He is thrashed by his experience with heaven. He is thrashed by his encounter with, with God and with God's angels. He was so thrashed, God had to remind him that he is loved, right? Daniel had the love of God confirmed to him in this chapter two times. Once in verse 11 and also in verse 19 where he is told, oh man, greatly loved. I think there are people here today who need to hear that. Oh man, oh woman, you are greatly, greatly loved. You are worth God's time and effort and energy such that he will pursue you all the days of your life because you are greatly loved. So maybe you're here today and you've been distant from the Lord and you feel like the Lord's coming after you and you're like, stop already. No, he'll never stop. He'll never stop. He's gonna keep coming after you. But you, you gotta be careful playing this cat, cat and mouse game with God. If, if you continue to run from him, if you continue to hide from him, if you continue to be rebellious against him, your heart will harden to a place where you're not even able to hear him anymore. You're not able to sense what he's trying to do in your life anymore. We, we can become hardened in our perspective and hardened in our understanding and so hardened that we stop listening and stop hearing and stop responding and we just are, we're just, we're, we're just committed to our path that leads to destruction such that 
God's got no more access to our hearts and minds. And so, listen, God will pursue you all the days of your life, but at some point you must bow your knee. You must submit yourself to him. You must come under the authority and lordship of Jesus Christ. You, it's imperative. I've heard it too many times. People say, well, I'll wait until I become an old person, you know, retired, uh, you know, getting ready to pass before I give my life to Jesus. Listen, if you've run from Jesus your whole life, when you're an old person getting ready to pass, your heart will be beyond hard and you will not have the capacity to hear and to respond. You will be lost apart from the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. So I'm here to warn you, do not play games with the grace and the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you can still sense his calling and hear him coming after you and know that he loves you, please, Please bow your knee before the Lord. Humble yourself. Have a proper fear of the Lord. When we're playing games with God, it demonstrates that we've got no fear of him. We take him for granted. We think that it's no big deal. We demonstrate that we have absolutely no fear of the Lord. And it's a dangerous, dangerous place to stay. Daniel had the love of God confirmed to him in this chapter. You need to know that God loves you, but he will only pursue you as long as your heart is soft. You only hear him and perceive that he's pursuing you as long as your heart and mind are just open enough to his plans and purposes for your life. So please, please know that you're loved and know that God has a plan for your life. Also, Daniel needed to be consoled because he was fearful. <laughs> Two times in this chapter, the angel of the Lord spoke to Daniel. He said, fear not. And in verse 12, uh, that was in verse 12. And in verse 19, it says, oh, man, greatly love, fear not. Peace be with you. Be strong and of good courage. And as he spoke to me, I was strengthened. So fear of the Lord is so healthy. But it's not meant to wreck us in the sense that we're unable to function. It's meant just to get our attention. Like God was trying to get a hold of Daniel because he had a message for him. He wanted to communicate something of power to him. And Daniel being in the presence of angels and the Lord, he was just, he was thrashed by it. As we have read up to this point, and as we have read today, he was thrashed by it. And so the angels of the Lord had to reassure him and fear not. And so I want to tell you today that you've got nothing to fear in the sense that you're fearful about your eternity because in Christ, your eternity is secure. In Christ, your salvation is real. But we can sometimes get sloppy in our relationship with God. And so that's when God will challenge us to have a proper and holy fear of the Lord. This is, this is common throughout Scripture, Old and New Testament. When people experienced angelic hosts, there was fear that welled up within him. In Luke chapter 1, Zechariah encountered the angel Gabriel, and we are told he was troubled and fear fell upon him, right? In Luke also, Luke chapter 1, the angel Gabriel told Mary, do not be afraid. And so in those moments, the angel of the Lord calmed the people and then gave them the message 
so that they could hear the message and move forward with the plan that God had for their lives. And Daniel was wrecked by his encounter with God. We're told that Daniel's companions had a great trembling <laughs> fall upon them and they fled to hide themselves, right? So they were, he, Daniel wasn't there by himself, but when his companions got wind of the presence of a heavenly being, they were fearful and they ran away. Daniel's strength left him. He said in verse eight, my radiant appearance was fearfully changed and I retained no strength. Daniel was healthy physically and spiritually. We know that from our study in Daniel um, these last couple weeks, these last number of weeks, he was healthy physically and spiritually and his appearance radiated that health. But because of his encounter with heaven, his face changed drastically. This is the second time it happened. Remember in Daniel 7, 28, after seeing a vision, he said, as for me, Daniel, my thoughts greatly alarmed me and my color changed. So I don't know what happened. <laughs> like he went pale probably, right? Fearfully pale. Like I don't know what I'm seeing, but it's otherworldly. It's nothing that I've seen in this life and in this world. There's something going on. God is up to something and it changed his, his, his otherwise healthy complexion and look. And he just looked probably terrified and pale. Even as he heard the sounds of the words spoken by the Lord, he said, I fell on my face in deep sleep with my face to the ground. In verse 15, Daniel said, I turned my face to the ground and was mute. <laughs> so he was alarmed to say the least, such that his countenance changed, his face changed, and he could not speak. Proper fear equals proper faith. Can you imagine the Lord showing up and we're just nonchalant about it? Number one, I don't think that's even possible. If the Lord shows up, we're gonna be <laughs> falling like dead men, mute, fearful. But imagine the, uh, the thought of being passive or unresponsive to the living God. So God is here with us. He is present with us. He is omnipresent. And so we know that God is with us even now in this building. He's not here in the natural. He is supernaturally here. And so what was true of Daniel needs to be true of us. We need to have a holy adoration, a holy fear of the Lord when hearing his word, when worshiping him, when coming into the house of God, but not just into the house of God, because we carry the presence of God with us. When we give our lives to Jesus and commit our lives to the faith called Christianity, the spirit of God fills us and we take the power and the presence of God wherever we go. So what Daniel's experiencing, we need to experience on some level. We need to have a holy awe of God, a holy fear of the Lord. It begins with mourning over our sin. Number one, we must mourn over our sin. Number two, we must realize the splendor of God. We will have a proper fear of the Lord when we realize the splendor of God. How do we realize the splendor of God? Listen, all I've got to do to realize the splendor of God is just approach the word of God with humility and with a heart to learn and to be teachable. And when I approach the word that way, I get a hold on some level, the splendor of God, and it changes my mind about him and makes me fearful of him in a holy heart awesome way. We must realize the splendor of God. Who is Daniel getting this message from? And who are those spoken of in the vision? Who, who is there giving this message to Daniel? Well, there's all kinds of 
theories. Was it an angel? Was it an angel and God? Or was it just God? There's all kinds of very good theories out there. I believe, and it seems from my study, that there are two beings involved in the vision. Now, you can agree with me or disagree. It doesn't really matter. But I believe, based on the description of Daniel 10, 5 through 6, the man clothed in linen to be none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. Daniel 10, 5 and 6. Let's refresh ourselves. I lifted up my eyes and looked, and behold, a man clothed in linen with a belt of fine gold from Euphaz around his waist. His body was like beryl, his face like the appearance of lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze, and the sound of his words like the sound of a multitude. And so when we're reading descriptions about the person, uh, the uh, glorious, the glorious person of the Lord Jesus Christ, his heavenly presence. We read in Revelation chapter one where the apostle John is getting the revelation. People keep asking, when are we gonna get to revelation? We keep talking about revelation a little bit just to wet your whistle a little bit, but in a few weeks, we'll jump into Revelation chapter one, Lord willing. Amen. Compare the description that we just read in Daniel chapter 10, to what John saw, the apostle John saw in Revelation chapter 1, verses 12 through 18. This was what John saw. Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me. And on turning, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the lampstands, one like a son of man, clothed with a long robe, and with a golden sash around his chest. The hairs of his head were white like white wool, like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze, refined in a furnace, and his voice was like the roar of many waters. In his right hand, he held seven stars. From his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword, and his face was like the sun shining in full strength. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. But he laid his right hand on me saying, fear not, I am the first and the last and the living one. I died and behold, I am alive forevermore and I have the keys of death and Hades. Oh, I couldn't handle that kind of vision. <laughs> I barely can handle reading the, about the vision. There's something powerful happening with both Daniel and with John. So the other person described in Daniel verse 10, uh, 10, 10 with the hand, in my estimation, it had to be the angel of the Lord. Why do I think this? This being was blocked by the prince of the kingdom of Persia, Jesus would never have been blocked by an inferior being. Jesus can't be blocked in doing what he wants to do by anybody or anything. He is all powerful. So there's no way in my estimation that Jesus was blocked for 21 days fighting the spirit prince of Persia. He never would have. Let's take a look at Daniel 10, 10 through 14 again. It says, and behold, a hand touched me 
and set me trembling on my hands and knees. And he said to me, O Daniel, man greatly loved, understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright, for now I have been sent to you. And when he had spoken this word to me, I stood up trembling. Then he said to me, fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and humbled yourself before your God, your words have been heard, and I have come because of your words. Verse 13, the prince, or the spirit prince, this is a demon on assignment to block the plans and purposes of God. We know from scripture that Lucifer rebelled against God. He wanted to be like the most high God. He rebelled against God. He took a third of the angelic hosts with him. He took a third of the angels with him. And they've been rebelling against and fighting against God's plan ever since. And so this demon, this spirit prince of Persia is fighting against the message that God wants to give to Daniel. The prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. Imagine the cosmic battle <laughs> underway then and that is still underway today. We are in a spiritual battle then and now forevermore until Jesus comes and reigns supreme. Verse 13, the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days, but Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I was left there with the kings of Persia and came to make you understand what is to happen to your people in the latter days, for the vision is for days yet to come. Proper fear equals proper faith. And when we have a proper understanding of the battle underway for your souls and minds, for the souls of our friends and families, for the, the, the souls of humanity, when we understand that, we will have a proper fear of the Lord. Number one, we must mourn over our sin. Number two, we must realize the splendor of God. And number three, we must grasp the spiritual, <coughs> the spiritual battle that we face. Listen, if an angel of God was dispatched when Daniel started praying, but that angel was hindered from going to Daniel, we must know that those same obstacles hinder our ability for breakthrough as well. So Daniel prayed for three weeks, didn't give up, and finally got some breakthrough. Listen, that's a message to us that we can't necessarily expect an immediate answer to our prayers. But when we pray the way that Daniel prayed with an expectation, with humility, with brokenness and contrition, we can expect that God's hearing and that he's dispatching help to us. But we have an adversary, the devil, who walks about like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour, the scripture says. We're told that he's here to steal and to kill and destroy. And so we're in this spiritual battle. So what we need to do is not quit, not give up. Daniel didn't quit. He didn't give up. He knew something about persevering in prayer for his people, for his nation, for the nation of Israel. So when we're up against impossible, difficult, terrible things, we need to pray and not give up, but press in believing that God is hearing 
when we have a proper fear of the Lord and understand who he is, we understand that he's big enough to hear and big enough to meet our needs and respond to us and to meet us where we are. We face spiritual battles in every arena of our lives, in our marriages, for sure, in our families, for sure, in our personal lives, private lives, church lives, at work, at play, awake or asleep, you are in a spiritual battle. And to close your eyes to that reality is to close your eyes in defeat to what God wants to accomplish in your life. But when you open your eyes wide open to what's going on in the atmosphere in the second and third heaven, when we open our eyes and understand what's happening in the battle, then we can be a part of what God is up to faithfully trusting him, even though it may take weeks or months or years for the Lord to come through. I've been, there's people in my life that I prayed for for decades before they came to faith in Jesus. There are people in my life that I've been praying for for decades that still haven't come to faith in Jesus. The enemy would want me to quit, right? The enemy would want you to quit. The enemy would want us to give up on believing that God is powerful enough to reach our loved ones and to extend to them the grace and mercy that he so desperately longs to extend to them. But we give up because in our own flesh, we just can't go on. But by God's grace, sometimes we just need to say, Lord, I, I, I don't know if I, in my own natural strength, I can keep going, but by your grace, I know that I can. And so you just invite God into the battle, into the struggle and just see what he will do to strengthen us. We wrestle not against flesh and blood enemies, but against the spiritual forces of darkness. I decided this morning, as I was thinking about this message, to read a passage of scripture to us out of Ephesians chapter six, verses 10 through 20, because Paul describes for us in detail exactly the spiritual battle that we're up against. He tells us about it and prescribes to us a way through it victoriously. And so Ephesians chapter six, verse 10 through 20 says this, I'll just read it to you. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand, listen, against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the day, in the evil day, and having done all to stand, having done all to stand firm, stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace in all circumstances. Say that with me, in all circumstances. One more time, in all circumstances. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times, praying, say it with me, at 
all times, praying without ceasing, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication to that end. Keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me that words may be given to me and opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. <laughs> the Apostle Paul understood something about the spiritual battle that we're in. The, the Apostle Paul had a humble fear of the Lord that allowed him to stand firm, ultimately paying for his faith with his life as his head was taken off of his shoulders. He was willing to go to the gallows because of what he believed. He had a proper fear of the Lord. We can read throughout Romans and see that he mourned over sin. We must, he, he understood the splendor of God because God revealed himself to him in, on the road to Damascus in Acts chapter nine. And there he saw the Lord. His companions went blind and they could not see what was going on. They could hear it, but they could not see it. The power of God was displayed to him. The splendor of God was seen and, 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 he, and he just began to understand and grasp the spiritual battle. And so God used him to write two thirds of the New Testament. He understood the spiritual battle and he wrote for us in Ephesians and really all of the epistles, what it means to stand firm to have a holy, proper fear of the Lord so that we might stand firm until Jesus gets us out of here. So the problem, the prescription, we can, we, can, we, can, we can get it done, but we just, we must refuse to give up and stand firm in his strength. Amen. Let's, with that, let's go ahead and stand up. I'm going to invite the worship team up. And, and um, so you know your assignment, don't give up. Don't give up. Just keep showing up. Keep loving Jesus. That's your assignment. Keep showing up. Don't give up. What's your assignment? Don't give up. Keep showing up. Trust the Lord. Have a proper fear of the Lord and watch what God will do in your lives and circumstances. It may take longer than you expect, but it's worth the effort. So let's, let's worship the Lord. Amen. Amen.